Door Creek, how we doing? Good. It's great to see you. Uh, for those of you who are new, my name is Ryan. I am uh, the campus pastor at our DeForest uh, campus, and it's, it's just awesome to be with you to talk about parenting a little bit today. Uh, and of course, we have our Northside campus as well. It's amazing to be one church that meets in three locations, reaching more and more people uh, for Jesus. Uh, so we're talking about parenting. Uh, this is part of our, our series, Family Matters. We're talking about why, why parenting matters. Uh, and I have to say, so this is like heads up in case you ever preach a sermon on parenting and you're a parent. Who knows? It could, could happen, right? So there's this weird thing when you preach on parenting and your parent is that your kids are kind of your credentials. <laughs> Makes sense, right? So uh, my kids are running around out there somewhere. A couple of them are here. And it's like, well, you know, if they're acting up, it kind of makes me look like an idiot, right? Uh, and that may happen, it, it just fair warning. So um, I'm, I'm preaching on, on parenting, but I have to say, like I and, and my wife, like we are right here in the trenches with you, parents. Like we're learning as we go. We need God's grace. We need your grace, just like you need uh, from us. And so we're in this together, amen? Okay, okay, so parents, my goal today is not to do a drive-by guilting. It's, it's not to like heap, that was funny, interesting, yeah. Uh, it's, it's not to heap like more obligations on you. Uh, in fact, what I've been praying for just the, in this last week or so of preparing for this was, God, just, uh, I ask that, that somehow you would use what I say uh, in, in teaching your word to give people a fresh vision of how God's grace is available to them right now, uh, not later and not sometime in the past, not some missed opportunity in the past, not sometime in the future, but right now, even as we leave here today, to point the kids in our home uh, to, to Christ. So I'm convinced of this, that God is not interested in making our families look better. He's not. What God is interested in is weaving his story of grace into our story right now. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past because we can start today. All right, so should we get into this? So uh, Psalm 127 verses three and four gives us kind of this overarching picture of what parenting is, and this might sound familiar to you. It says, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth, okay? So uh, I'm not, I'm not a, a, a shooter of arrows. What do you call those people? Thank you. <laughs> wow. So I should do a little more research, I guess, before I come up here. So here's... I've seen lots of people do it though, and actually my son has taken like classes. So when you shoot an arrow, here's the, the idea. You have to point it in the direction you want to shoot it, right, that makes sense. And then you pull it back, and then you let it go. Right, and don't judge me on my form. Like I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. You point in the direction you want to go, you pull it back, and you let it go. And, and parenting is, is that same idea. And that's what this psalm is saying. We point children in the direction that they need to go, and then the day comes where we release them, and we let them follow the path, hopefully. Not, not, uh, the goal isn't, isn't religion and, and being a good person, but hopefully the direction we're pointing them to is a lifelong 
love and obedience to God. That's the goal. So uh, this, is, this is tough. Like parenting and preaching on parenting is really hard, okay? Uh, it's tough. It's tough because families are messy, right? Can I get an amen? amen. Uh, families are messy. So growing up, my family, we walked through the, the divorce journey. We walked through the single parent journey, uh, the, the merging of families. I'm seeing nodding heads. Um, there's infertility. There's special needs. There's just sin kind of that, that invades and wreaks havoc in families. So families are messy. Uh, it's tough to preach on parenting because no two children are alike, right? Like even one family, I've, I've heard this from so many parents as I've been asking them uh, about their parenting this last couple weeks. Even in one family, like the two children growing up in the same home with almost the same genetics can be totally different people, right? So the answers for one kid that really fit and, and work for this child do not work at all for this child. And so you're always reinventing the wheel. And it's, it's also tough because even when we do figure out what we're doing, kids keep growing and changing. And we have to keep starting over at every new phase. Like there's a huge difference between a four-month-old and a 14-year-old and a 24-year-old and a 40-year-old. Massive, massive difference. And it's also tough because we don't really find out what we're doing, like if it's working until years later. So as a parent, you're kind of always in this unfinished story. It doesn't matter if you have little babies at home or if you've been empty nesters for years. It's always this unfinished story. Am I right? Are you feeling encouraged yet? Right? <laughs> like, yes, we're going to crush this. Well, there, there's another thing. And this is, this is what makes it really difficult for me in parenting is that I'm constantly fighting against my own selfishness and my own sin. In f I would say that nothing has broken me down and made me have to face the ugliness of me without Jesus like parenting. And so, uh, so that's what we're going to talk about. And, and just as an illustration, so I remember just thinking back to when we had two in diapers. And uh, so this is about 10 years ago or so, and we were, we were like out of our minds, tired, delusional, you know that zone, it's like permanent sacks of tired under the eyes, and uh, I heard crying one night, and I got the elbow, and I knew it was my turn <laughs> to, right, and I'm just like, just like the swamp thing, and I reached for my shirt, and I put it on, because I have to go make the bottle in the kitchen, I put it on, and I put it on backwards because it's in, it's pitch black and so on a good day when I put a shirt on backwards it is irritating right because you got the tag right in your neck and it feels weird but out of my mind delusional I, there's like this weird selfish daddy rage that just welled up inside of me and I tore the shirt off like I was the Hulk <laughs> how pathetic like not a hallmark fathering moment, right? Like, way to go, Pastor Ryan. And I realized, there, I, like, I need answers. I need some help. Because this, this is not easy. I needed answers. So, you know, I'm a good 
churched kid. I grew up in church. My parents are both in ministry, and they both came out of really difficult family circumstances with divorce and, and alcoholism and some abuse. But they did everything they, they could, by God's grace, to steer us in the right direction. And so I knew if I needed answers, I knew where to go. And where is that? The Bible, right? You guys could, you would all ace Sunday school. The Bible, that's, that's pretty much one of the only answers you need. The Bible, Jesus, love, God. Anyway, so I knew where to go, and so I open up my Bible to Proverbs 22.6, and here's what it says. It's going to be on the screen. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. I'm like, well, duh. <laughs> like, that doesn't help me very much right now. Like, train up a child. How? <laughs> right? That's what I need right now. What do I do? I need some answers. So I turn to the New Testament. Like, what, what does the New Testament have to say to me? I go to Paul in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 4. We're going to look at that passage in a, in a little bit. But it says here, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Like, great. What else? That's it. Like, are you for real, Paul? You wrote 13 books in the New Testament, and you give me one measly verse on parenting? What is up with that? I needed answers. And so a lot of people, a lot of parents do what I was tempted to do at this point, and they kind of give up on God's word. And they put the Bible on the shelf, and they turn to psychology and self-help and so-called parenting experts, and that just becomes a black hole of confusion. But here's what God has taught me after almost 10 years of pastoring and more than 10 years of parenting. He's taught me that parents don't need answers. They need wisdom. Parents don't need answers. They need wisdom. We don't need, need, we don't need God to tell us what to do because we all have to do very, very different things. We need wisdom, which means we need to know where to go. We need to know what the destination is. And so that's what we're going to do today because parenting isn't a science. It's an art. Parenting isn't BuzzFeed or Twitter, it's poetry. Parenting isn't a sitcom, it's real life, right? And so we need the wisdom of God. We can't just boil it down to a few talking points. And anyone who tries to tell you that you can, just walk away. Just walk away. Because I think, I think if you're doing it right, parenting should break you down it should humble you and make you more dependent on God than you ever thought necessary. So just to set, out your, set your expectations up, you may not walk out of here with a lot of answers today. But we're going to look at God's word and reflect on some of his wisdom as we seek to raise a generation that knows and, and loves God. So we're going to camp out on just two passages today uh, to glean some wisdom for parenting, and for those of you who got excited, you're like, sweet, a short sermon with just two points, it doesn't matter, okay? <laughs> Here we go. So we're going to ask two questions uh, of God's word today. The first question is, what do children need? And the second question is, what is the greatest thing? So we're going to start with, what do children need? And we're going we're to camp out here on Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, okay? So uh, Ephesians is in the New Testament. It's right after Galatians. 
It's a letter that Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus, this baby church. They're like brand new on the Jesus train, and he's trying to get them to understand what life is like now that they're identifying with Christ. Because if you didn't know, identifying with Christ changes everything. It doesn't take us out of the world, but it, it changes our world. That makes sense. And so, this is what he says. He says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Okay? So what's he saying? And just broad stroke, I think what he's saying here is Christian parenting, Christ-centered parenting is marked by grace. It's marked by grace. So this doesn't sound that drastic to us, but to his audience at the time, it would have sounded very countercultural. So in Roman society, the father was kind of like the kingpin of the family, and he could do whatever he wanted. And by the way, this passage, uh, it says fathers here. The Greek underlying the term is really a gender, it's a gender neutral term. So fathers represents parents. And some of your translations may actually say parents because he's addressing moms and dads. Just get that out of the way. Uh, so in, in Roman society, the father had complete control over the family and uh, often to the detriment of the children. So you may have heard this. Uh, it, was, it was totally within the, the right of the father to, uh, to look at a newborn child and say, this child doesn't cut it. It's not the gender that I was going for. There's some abnormalities, some, some disability, whatever. And they could actually take the child from the mother, this newborn baby, put it outside and let it die of exposure. A, a parent, uh, a father at, at, in that society could put their children to work in the fields and even put chains on them. He could sell them as slaves. He could, uh, he could go all the way to capital punishment and put them to death if they displeased him. So listen again to what Paul said. He said, do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So don't, don't exasperate them. Don't provoke them to be angry or embittered. Your training of your children should be marked with grace. So how do you exasperate your child? You give them rules and you withhold the relationship. You give them rules and you withhold a relationship. You fill their life with boundaries and barriers, but you never show up to experience it with them. And some of you grew up that way. You know, you ask a parent, why? Why is it this way? Or why can't I do this? What was the answer? Because I said so, right? Those are some of the most soul-crushing words that a human being uh, could ever hear. Because kids, children need rules and they need relationships. And by the way, I just want to address who's in the room. Because I, I am totally aware that we're not all parents with children living in the home here. I think they're kind of three different groups. So some of us, um, some of us, we are parents. Uh, we're, we're single parents. We're, we're married parents. We're blended family. We're in that whole spectrum, adopted, foster parents. And so I, I'm praying that, that you glean something from this. There's a, another group of people who you may not be a parent with a child in the home right now, uh, but you have significant influence in the life of a younger person. So maybe you're a grandparent, maybe you're a teacher, mentor, small group leader. 
And I'm totally aware also that there's another group of people here who uh, don't have a child in the home, are not really in a place of kind of regular influence of a child. You might not even like kids. (laughs) But here's what I would say to you before we get too deep into this. Uh, We need you. We need you. We need you to pray for us. We need you to receive our kids into the family of God, this thing that we call church. We can't do this alone, okay? Sorry, I should have addressed that way earlier. But So kids need rules and relationships. That's the first thing we're talking about. And, and throughout the parenting journey, there's a spectrum of relationship. There's a spectrum that happens. You start out with complete control, and ideally you end up with complete relationship. So you start out with boundaries and control when your children are very young because they're totally dependent on you. You set the the expectations and the boundaries that keep them safe and teach them how the world works. And if they don't follow through on that, if they cross one of those barriers, there has to be consequence and you are the one who is supposed to control that and influence that. Don't hit your sister. Don't say that word. Share your toys. Finish your dinner. We're going to church. Look both ways before you cross the street. This is important stuff when children are young. But then what happens, as children get older, it becomes harder and harder when they don't listen to physically pick them up and put them where they need to be. It's easy to do that with a two-year-old. It's a lot harder to do that with a 90-pound 12-year-old. I mean, good luck. Go for it. (laughs) Hope your insurance is is good. Because by the time children get to that stage, you have to start having a trusting relationship with them that you can use as as a channel to influence them in the right direction. And a huge mistake, a huge mistake I see a lot of parents make is they... um, they start to realize, I don't really have that relationship with them yet. My child's getting older, and so they start looking for all these handles to control them and, and to set those boundaries and, and, and use control and cash in on their authority. So your middle schooler crosses one of those boundaries. What do you do? You take away a phone. You take away screen time, video games. You ground them from friends. And does that work? I mean, really, long term, does that really work? I think I was grounded half of my teenage years. I'm not sure it made that much of a difference. And by the way, I think my parents were great parents. I think we have to start uh, fostering a trusting relationship with them. So Hebrews 12 tells us how God the Father disciplines us. And it says that he disciplines those that he loves. And that changes everything. So the middle schooler breaks a rule, sins. It's time to have a heart-to-heart conversation with them. Discipline is wrapped in the father's love. is is not looking just to correct the behavior. It's looking to restore the relationship. It's not about getting back or lashing out. It's it's pointing them to the gravity of their sin, the, the consequences of their choice, allowing them to feel that and walk through that, but also pointing them to the cross. And and parents who try to continue to be the Holy Spirit in their children's lives realize they can't. Only God can do that. And then I think another mistake parents make 
is they try to lean too heavenly, too heavenly, heavily, English is hard, on, on, the, on the relational uh, aspects, the, having this, this friend kind of relationship with their children when their children are really too young. Can't be buddies with your five-year-old. <laughs> I mean, you can be friendly, but you have to set the pace. Because believe it or not, believe it or not, your child will be healthier, smarter, uh, with clear boundaries and expectations. And so we need to be consistent, but strong and gentle. So rules and relationships, that's one thing that uh, children need. So another thing is affirmation. Affirmation. And this is powerful. And I didn't make this up. Some much smarter, wiser, godly people have taught me this. And this has been a powerful tool um, in, in my parenting. So affirmation means that, that I look for the image of God at work in my kids. And when I see it, I point it out to them. So um, it's not just saying, hey, good job, dude. Great work. And, and kind of giving them praise, it's specific and it's God-glorifying, right? So here's how this looks. Uh, yesterday, um, I was outside doing a little bit of yard work with my son, August, and uh, he's like, Dad, can I come out and help you? I'm like, sure, that's awesome. So he's seven years old, so he's, not, he's still wanting to help me on stuff. And uh, so he puts on gloves, and he's like, they're too big, and he's like, it's all floppy, and and we're trimming the hedges and stuff. And then, um, and then I, we see our neighbor, uh, this sweet lady. Her name is Jean, and she's great, and she's a little bit older, and, and I noticed that her hedges are just out of control. So I'm like, hey, would it be okay if we, if we did that for you? And Aquas is like, yes! And so we're like, Wah! and he's raking it up, and, and about 20 minutes in, I'm like, you know what? I have this opportunity. I said, August, um, you know what I love about you? I, I love that you're a hard worker. Like, do you think that's something God has put in you? He's like, yeah, I think so. I am a hard worker. Uh, I'm like, and, and isn't it cool that how, how fun it is to actually serve other people with the things that God's given us? He's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Can I go have a snack now? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> go have a snack. You earned it, buddy. So when you affirm your child, you're pointing out the activity of God in their lives, and you're encouraging them. That builds them up. So affirmation, what else do they need? They need grace. Grace. So grace is the characteristic of God that moves him to take a step toward us when we least deserve it. So this is how God loved us while we were still sinners, our sin, our sin makes us enemies with God. Makes us enemies with God. Now ponder that for a second. So what was Jesus doing on the cross? He was dying for his enemies. He, he wasn't looking at us like we were the enemies that we were. He was coming alongside us as if as if we were standing shoulder to shoulder looking at the sin and the repercussions of our sin and saying, you know what? That's the common enemy. So I'm here to deal with that and to restore our relationship. That's what Jesus did. I think that's what we're called to do as parents. So parents, our kids aren't born with halos on their head. Surprise. I'm not sure if you 
knew that yet. They're born with the same sinful, selfish predispositions that we have. And so when we see sin in our kids, I think one of the things that we can do that would be powerful is to not ignore it, not stand from a distance and point and say, how could you do that? But to come alongside them and say, you know what? I'm with you in this. This is sin. It's, it's, it's destroying our relationship. It's destroying your relationship with God. But I'm going to be with you to walk all the way through this. And I'm going to point you to the cross. And I remember at eight years old, uh, sitting on my bed, sobbing because I had just told a lie. And my mom was there with me, and, and she, she told me what a lie is and how it breaks trust and how it, it destroys my relationship with God. And I was just broken. And then in that moment, she said, this is why Jesus died on the cross, to take that away, to, to throw that lie away. And she walked me th- with me through that. And, and that was a grace-filled moment. Do you see what I'm, what I'm saying here? And at that moment, I decided to follow Jesus. And I haven't looked back by God's grace. So that's what do children need. Let's, let's look at um, this other question of what is most important. Is that the question? What's the greatest thing in parenting? So we're going to look at the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6. So Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the Bible. So you go way to the left. Chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Here we go. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. So this is, um, this is kind of the cornerstone passage in Moses' final address to the Israelites before they crossed into the promised land. Because for the last 40 years... They had gone from being slaves in Egypt who were totally confused about who God is to, to being commissioned to be God's chosen people, his chosen representatives to bring blessing to all the earth. And they were about to go from, they had nothing to do from like uh, just like flicking scorpions off of themselves in the desert and going to the tabernacle to suddenly building a whole new life and a whole new society where they'd be building homes, planting gardens, raising livestock and educating their kids. And so what Moses is saying here is supposed to somehow embody all of that stuff that they had experienced in the desert and give them something to hold on to for their new life that was about to come. Something that would last for generations. And it's really interesting, he didn't say, obey the Lord your God. He said, love the Lord your God. Isn't that interesting? Why love? I think it's because God understands this about human beings is that our behavior doesn't follow our understanding, it follows our loves. This is why if you and I go out to lunch, you'll never see me order like the, the quinoa and kale super salad. I, I, know, I know that I probably should do that. I know that probably would be the best thing for me, and I'll probably even plan on ordering that, but then the server comes, and what I hear coming out of my mouth is bacon cheeseburger. And fries. And I just offended a whole bunch of vegetarians out there. I'm sorry. So God's grace. Because our behavior follows our love. Going on to verse 6 in this passage. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. 
They're supposed to anchor us. Anchor us. Now, here's the thing, mom and dad. You can fake religion, but you can't fake love. You can't fake love. This is why there is a 0% chance that any of my kids will ever be professional golfers. I don't love golf. I mean, it's not that I don't like golf. It's that I hate it. I'm, I'm offending lots of people here. I'm, trust me, I'm doing you a favor. It's like a public service for me to not play golf. It's dangerous. I'm terrible at it, right? I can't fake a love for it. Sure, I'll go out on the course and I'll walk the field and enjoy the weather and hang out with, with people that I love hanging out with and I'll, I'll have a good time. But you'll never catch me sneaking out of work to go for a quick nine holes. Like this is, unless there are bacon cheeseburgers at the restaurant. You can't fake love. So the first step in this whole thing, mom and dad, is that we have to do everything we can to stir up our affection for Jesus. Stir up our affection for Jesus. For some of us, it's coming here and it's singing loud. It's worshiping God, and that just gets you amped up. Some of us, it's digging into the word with a small group of people in a living room, caring for one another, praying for one another, getting into a life group. For my wife and I, there's this time between, like, dishes and bedtime where sometimes we'll just, like, I'll just, I'll just play piano and we'll just sing some songs to God. And it's, it's not the prettiest thing, but it stirs up our affections for God. So find that thing and put that on display in your home. Verse seven says, impress them on your children. So impress means to, to let it sink in. So let your love for God and your love for his commands be the defining trait in your parenting. Because here's the thing, mom and dad, and for those of you who aren't parents yet, just be aware of this. We are leaving impressions on our kids all the time. We impress them with our moods. We impress them with the way we communicate or don't communicate. Hello. We impress them with our attitudes about our jobs and our attitudes toward our spouses and toward other people. We impress them with the things that we get really excited about and the things we're just like, ugh, about. And our impressions shape them. It shapes them. And this is why Ivy, our daughter, she would rather eat one of her brother's socks than ever cheer for the Vikings. I'm from Minnesota. My wife got to her before I did. She made that impression. And guys, we're not the only ones making impressions on our kids. They have teachers, they have friends. There are billion dollar corporations funneling money to market to our children and send them messages and, and to, to give them their brand of the truth. So how do we cut through all of that so the defining impression that we leave is, is to love and obey God? Like how do we do that? And this is the closest thing to an answer that we get in Scripture, and it's, it's just in the next, uh, the, the next part of this passage. It says, talk about them when you sit at home when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Talk about the things of God. Talk about his commands. 
Talk about the beauty of the cross. Tell the stories of how you found Jesus and how that just totally changed you. Talk about the things of God. So sitting at home, walking along the road, and everything in between. Lying down in bed, getting up in the morning, and everything in between. I I guess that means we're supposed to talk about God all night. I don't know. That's interesting. All day, anytime. That's what that means. So God-focused, soul-shaping conversation could be something formal, like a family devotion, if you're into that. I've tried. Mm, Mixed results, you know. Uh, It can be something informal, like just talking about it on the way to school or on the way to soccer or on the way to whatever. And guys, this is really, really good news for us because we're we're adding nothing to our day, right? We're adding no time, no extra obligation. All we're doing is we're turning up the intentionality dial a little bit. So here's how this could look. It could be, you know, uh, a lot of us are putting our kids to bed still. It's, it's been one of my favorite times of the day. Not, that sounds weird, like, you're going to bed, yay! No, not that. I mean, a little bit, <laughs> let's be honest. But it's, it's, it's this precious moment where I get to maybe read with my kids a little bit, check in, just kind of dig into their hearts a little. How was your day? What was something good? What was something not so good? Can we pray about that? Pray a blessing on them. And that added nothing to my day. All it added was some intentionality. So we can do this, parents. We can totally do this. And here's the really, really good news. So this passage is not saying that we need to impress our kids with our ability to parent. We're impressing our kids with a love for God and his commandments. That's really good news. So I believe that grace is here for us right now. And it doesn't matter if your child is four months old or 40. It doesn't matter if you've missed opportunities in the past and we're definitely gonna miss opportunities in the future. God's grace is ready for us right now. Parents, we can crush this. We can totally crush this. So what do we do? And I think, I think the guiding principle here, guys, is persistence is better than perfection. Don't worry about getting it right. You're not <laughs> going to get it right. And I know from experience. And I'm, I'm like a professional Christian, right? So <laughs> I'm literally paid to be a Christian. You're not going to get it right. You're not going to be perfect. But you can be persistent. We can totally do this. So I uh, just want to talk to parents with young kids, kids living at home real quick. Then we'll talk to, to parents with, with older kids. So, so guys, the, the church is not here to, to make you feel guilty or to beat you up. We actually love you. We pray for you. We want to be your number one fans. We know what's at stake. We know that it's really, really important to raise a generation that knows and loves God. I would say it this way, Uh, we're here to be partners because when two separate influences combine uh, uh, combine forces, the impact on the next generation is going to be far greater than each one of those entities working on their own. So there's a partnership happening between the church and the home, and we have to work together. So one really, really easy way to do that, so parents... uh, When you pick up your kids, even today, you're going to get a little sheet. 
You probably have seen these. Uh, I don't know. I know, guys, I know they get thrown away. I know it. And, and usually they sit on the floor of the van for a while and then they get thrown away. But let me just put this out there. This sheet could be a really cool tool for you to use just for 10 minutes on the way home. Like, it, it tells you, like, what they talked about because we, we engage kids in Bible teaching every single service. It tells them what we talked about. Uh, and it gives you a few kind of talking points, a few questions to ask. And you can do this on the way home. Like, it, it could add nothing to your day. And bonus points if you keep it and then bring it out at dinner, like on Wednesday or something like that. So this is how this could look. So um, we're driving home, and I'm like, hey, so it looks like you learned about the Holy Spirit today. And my kids are like, how did you know that? I'm like, well, God told me. <laughs> nah, just kidding. I cheated. No, I got this little sheet that, that told me, and, and it actually has a few questions. Do you mind if we just talk about this stuff so we can grow together? Okay, so, um, so what happened when the Holy Spirit came on his disciples? And, and they're like, well, there was a loud noise and there was fire. I'm like, wow, fire. Kind of sounds like God is powerful. Like, yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> like, have you ever felt the power of the Holy Spirit? You see, it's like that easy. It's just so, so simple. And you can totally crush this, parents. And you know what? If you get through two of those talking points, you are killing it. You're doing great. That's all it takes. So parents of, of older kids, let me just chat with you for a second. So your kid is 40. Maybe feel like, you know, Ryan, I haven't taken full advantage of, of these opportunities that you're talking about. So what do I do? So let me just say this. God's grace is always with us today and, and not in the past. So we don't need to dwell on that. Like you have ruined nothing. It's an unfinished story. You don't know what God is gonna do. So let's just start with today. And so maybe what that looks like for you is just being honest about that. And maybe it means calling up your adult child and just saying, you know, I've been thinking about parenting lately and I just, I think I may have missed some opportunities to maybe just affirm you. And I, I just would love to do that now. And here's what I love about you. And, and by the way, I love you, and that's never going to change, and I'm praying for you. I mean, that could be really, really powerful. So it's never too late. So here's what we're going to do, guys. Um, I would love for us just to pray for the parents here. So uh, could I ask you, if you're a parent or you have uh, kids living at home, could you just stand uh, for a moment so we can recognize you and, and bless you? So parents with kids living at home. Uh, and let's go to that, that next tier. So if you're a grandparent, uh, a teacher, a small group leader, a mentor, someone, uh, an older sibling maybe, someone who has significant stake in the life of a child. Uh, if you, you, know, you want to be a parent but you're not yet and you're able to stand, uh, go ahead and do that. Uh, and those of everyone else who isn't standing, uh, so this, we do this in like, charismatic world where I came from, we like reach out our hands. I don't know, it's like f using the force or something. I There's nothing magical about it. It's just a sign of like, of sending blessing, of, of praying for blessing. So can we just reach out to these people around you and let's just pray together for them. Lord, you are our good father. You set the model for us. You empower us by your grace. 
You give us your word that, sh- that gives us wisdom. And so, Lord, we, we want to pray a blessing on these people who are saying, yes, I, I'm going to choose to influence the next generation toward you. We ask that they would go encouraged and refreshed with new vision for parenting. And we, we do this recognizing that children are a gift from you. It doesn't matter what scenario they came out of. They are a gift from you, and we want to steward them well and love them well. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.